Welcome back to Heathen Hot Dish, where we have candid discussions that frequently incense, occasionally offend, but always get served up with a liberal helping of Minnesota nice. I'm Amy. And I'm Justin. And we are here to talk about stuff. Comedy. How far is too far to make fun of things, to laugh at things, to mock, joke? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think comedy should be very serious. I don't approve of socially offensive jokes. Um, no, I'm kidding. I was going to say, you are full of shit. So, to preface this, we went and saw the Book of Mormon, what, last week, the week before? I can't keep my days straight anymore. Yeah, it's been so two weeks. It was on my birthday. We went and saw the Book of Mormon, and my husband and I had seen it before uh, a few years ago when it came through town, but this was for you and your wife, the first time that you had seen it. It's the first. And we didn't really talk much after that about what you thought of it, so I'm curious to know just your, after sitting on it for a few weeks what were your thoughts what'd you think of it i to be honest with you i was completely blown away really? i was totally totally shocked and i had heard i'd even listened to uh i think it was hasadiga Eboi. well yeah dan barker and andy Lori gaylor's podcast years mm-hmm. ago right when it came out they had saw he was so dan barker was over the moon about it just absolutely yeah. loved it so i had heard hasadiga Eboi. for those mm-hmm. of you that don't know it's an incredibly irreverent and foul African. Oh, it's filthy. It's not legitimate. I have no idea. Swahili or something. I think it's totally made up. But, I mean, it is unbelievably vulgar. Uh Uh-huh. And even knowing that going in there, I don't even know if we should say, if we should get that (laughs) that explicit as to what that means, but... It means fuck you, God. There you go. In very specific... Sorry if you have kids in the car. Very specific locations, even, Mm, that song gets into... To How to graphic detail, mm-hmm. but I loved it. I was shocked by the people that were there. I mean, you saw so a lot of I. people that looked very like they conservative, were conservative. A lot of older people, cross necklaces. Yeah. Spotted a couple of those. Um, and I remember just thinking, I wonder if these people realize what they're going to see, but they must because they paid. Those tickets are not cheap. Yeah, I didn't I see mean, anybody walk up and walk out and leave. I didn't see anybody recoiling in horror. I thought I saw somebody leaving down in the front main area, but it's also possible they were just going to use the restroom or it was too loud or something. I don't know, but it's... That was the only criticism I would have, is it was so loud. It really was. And I mean, I'm I'm, uh, I'm the type of person I have big fancy stereo equipment and whatever Mm -hmm. just because I like loud music, but that was, I I wished I had earplugs just to knock it down a level because it was intense. And that was just a technical issue. I've seen it before and I don't remember it being that bad the last time. And I've seen so many musicals in that theater and that was the loudest I have ever heard it. I think they just had it, I don't know if it's where we were sitting, that we were closer to the speakers or what, but yeah, it was insanely loud pretty hot but yeah it was i like the message i mean it kind of a little bit embraced i thought it embraced humanism at the end it does but it certainly didn't i don't know i guess you can't say it didn't it didn't clip the wings of mormonism but it kind of embraced the potential that they're just like everybody else they've got their thing you've got yours just Mm-hmm. Let them let it be, right. and that that a little bit was surprising to me. But I suppose when you hit them that hard, mm-hmm. kind of backing off at the end a little bit and having a little kumbaya moment is is called for. Well, I remember hearing Trey Parker and Matt Stone being interviewed on the Daily Show years ago when it first came out, and they said something to the effect of they thought that it was you know 
like it did hit the Mormon church pretty hard, but in the end ended up being kind of sweet. Like it was sort of a sweet look at Mormons. Well, and, and, it, and it kind of is. I looking, mean, it's the characters. At the, the are, playbill? Yeah. There was at oh, yeah. least four pages, four full pages of Mormon, Mormon church ads. ads. Yep. I noticed that the first time I went and I thought, what? and really from a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant. It's better than throwing a tizzy fit well, and taking and the, it to court. And the quality of the ad campaign too, because it says, now you've seen the play, the book is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I thought that was pretty clever on their part. I got to wonder if that actually works I, for anything. Uh, I doubt I, it. But mm-hmm. I, once you've seen that, I can imagine. No, and I I actually listened to a podcast the other day, and it was a Mormon who was a, a no longer Mormon who was just kind of saying that they felt they went on the mission trip and they were describing the whole process and just saying how they felt completely wronged, just a misspent youth, a wasted mm-hmm. two years of their because I think uh, men young men go mm-hmm. at nineteen, yep, and uh, women it's a little older, I believe, but. He said, thinking of what he could have done from 19, 20, 21, mm-hmm. and what he ended up doing, it, you just, you know, you can't get that time back. No. So I think there is some, some glossing over a little bit of how quaint it is and how potentially harmless and whatever, but mm-hmm. those kids have to go. I mean, you think yeah. of the pressure that's put on them, and granted, it's really dramatized and made to portray a certain aspect but some of those people they have no idea where they're going they go to third world countries they have no idea so Mm -hmm. there's a little little hidden tragedy in there that could be i think scrutinized i think you see in the play that you know the official leaders of the church just totally abandon these main characters and so i think it does show that the actual mormon church and the leadership is not standing for these values that these characters believe in and the values they believe in are taking care of each other and helping each other and trying to make the world a little bit better where they are even without god you know it's yeah yeah Yeah, and i think it it too it it, i don't know it it, it's really was brilliant on so many levels how they're able to use satire and humor to really poke holes in the absurdity of the whole process. I mean, mm-hmm. you see how seriously things can be taken, but then it kind of at the end, it kind of shows the evolution of and maybe the maturation too of the mm-hmm. the kids that are sent right. over there, and then they're faced with the horrors of the real world, and then they mm-hmm. still find a way to adapt their faith and, and make mm-hmm. it work. So, right, and then create an entirely new one themselves. Exactly, <laughs> and, it, and it does. It, it kind of spotlights mm-hmm. how this is how religion has. Evolved. Right. You just make and it continues up and to evolve. Go with it, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's I I just love musicals anyway, so I mean the quality of the music even is just so phenomenal. Without even without the storyline or the book not the Book of Mormon, but you know, the <laughs> the musical book as I'm I'm referring to, it's just the music is so good itself and Yeah. It's also catchy too. I caught myself for I still I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll catch myself humming something or Turn it off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or every That's... time, especially the beginning, there's there's a doorbell sound. Yep. That, hello. Hello, yep. So just... was I correct in that do you think that now if you ever go to a play again for the rest of your life it's just going to ruin it because the bar has been set too high I don't high? know I don't I, I actually I thought about that many times because you did you set the bar pretty high for this one saying mm-hmm. that this is the gold standard of plays from your uh, your perspective and mm-hmm. I'll have to see another one now just to have something to, yeah. to 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 judge it by 
I shouldn't say necessarily the gold standard of all plays. What I mean is going to something that's an, a Broadway production that's on tour is so different than going to your local community theater and watching which, something. Which I haven't done that either. Yeah, so which I've done both. And at this point, I've seen so many Broadway shows on tour at this point. I try to go to at least one a year that it's painful for me to sit through like a local community theater production oh, now. It really is. It's just... I. I just, I want the lights and the magic and the professionals acting and the, you know, not that I don't support community theater. I think it's great and I think more people should get involved in it and I totally well, support you, it, but it is hard when you've seen such good stuff. To, you realize where those actors came from, though. Right, exactly. That, that is, they, they hone their, their skills. Yeah, I mean, they are professionals. It's amazing. Yeah, I thought of that watching that several times, how... I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to think that there's people that make their living doing that. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, it's oh, so man. foreign to me. Just the whole arts and culture thing is so foreign to my upbringing because we were so conservative and closed mm-hmm. off, and a lot of that was frivolous and unnecessary. And I mean, man, it, conservatives could, as a whole, they kind of yeah. eschew the whole arts and. If I could make my living on Broadway, I would be a happy lady. Too bad yeah. I have no talent. <laughs> Kind of, kind of got to have the talent first, and then put the work in to hone the talent. But when you don't have that, you're just kind of out of luck. So I don't know that you I'm don't stuck have the with talent. singing along. It's just, you, you have to. I mean, you really have to have things happen. Oh well, in, and think in, about just athletically how yeah, in shape oof. these people have to be, and how you're singing and dancing and acting all at the same time, and it's exhausting, and you're doing it every single day over and over again, and it's just. It's I would like to see it a couple profession. times too, just to see if it does. I mean, do they adapt? Is each performance different? No, or not really. I mean, you'll hear actors say that they themselves will try to put some little different thing in just for the fun of it. That usually the audience doesn't even notice, you know, just hmm. to make it fun for them. But no, I mean, overall, each production, and that's part of the thing about live theater. That's why it's fun. Something different could happen every single time you watch it. You know, somebody could screw up. It's that Schadenfreude part of it. Right. Someone could fall right on their face. Never, I've never seen it happen. But yeah, it's oh, that that could falling. make it that could make it a better performance though too with those little adjustments. I'm sure. Well, and I know you know the first time we saw it when it was on tour, it was a different actor playing Elder Cunningham who did a phenomenal job, and we talked about, you know, in the original Broadway production, Josh Gad plays Elder Cunningham, and that role was just made for him. He owned it. It was, you know, and so when we saw it on tour the first time, I remember thinking, oh, how is this even going to be good without Josh Gad in it, you know, and but the actor they had that did it, he really just kind of made it his own role, and it was just as good with him in it, and now this last time we saw it a few weeks ago was yet another actor playing Elder Cunningham, and he did the same thing. He kind of added his own touches and made it his own. Just, the, just the tone of the, the jokes role. and the tone. But it's all, it's the same songs. It's the same wording. Everything's exactly the same, but they put their own kind of flourish on it. But the essence of the character right. still pours through, I would imagine. Yeah. Because I could even see in this guy, I could see the voice really was Josh Gad. Mm-hmm. Very similar to his. And I could right. just see those. And I, I did. I kept thinking... Because I knew I saw little mm-hmm. clips of, of Josh Gad playing, and that's the thing yeah. is you get that image in your head and you expect it. And mm-hmm. I will watch anything with Josh Gad in it. Yeah, he's I'm just such a big fan of his. Very he's entertaining. Great. Yep. Well, I would I would transition from that experience to because I I actually had this on my radar, something to talk about on the mm-hmm. podcast here at some point. Comedy is 
obviously, I mean, you, you look at the buttons that have been pushed and the mm-hmm. amount of issues that have been raised and by comedians. I mean, you think of mm-hmm. Carlin and Bill Hicks and... And you even know, now, John Oliver and oh, people John like, Oliver, you know, yes, The Daily Show and things like that, where they're doing comedy, but they're making social commentary. And Well, and there's varying degrees. <clears throat> I mean, there's some who absolutely flay religions and mm-hmm. the religious mm-hmm. and really push the boundaries of what is acceptable. And I'm curious to think, do you think there's a point? I know you watch a lot of, like, South Park. Oh, yeah. Which um, is a direct, you know... Well, here's here's what I my I guess my feelings. I was just listening to a podcast with Liz Winstead this morning, and Liz Winstead is phenomenal. She's from Minnesota. She was the creator of The Daily Show um, <laughs> way back when. That. Yeah, she was one of the co-creators of The Daily Show. But she's just hilarious, and she does. She's now involved in this group called Lady Parts Justice League, and they oh, do yeah. these great videos about abortion, and it's all reproductive rights related, and I just, I love her podcast and her videos, but she was talking, they, they were talking about this same kind of subject, about comedy, and, you know, if comedians go too far, and her feeling on it was, you know, comedians should say whatever they want to say, they should make any joke they want to make, and that's fine, and they have the right to do that. But they also have to understand that afterwards, people have the right to comment on that and to just, you know, and to feel how they feel and to say, we think that went too far, that didn't, and here's why. And she was kind of like, and that's kind of how I feel, like people like Bill Maher and, you know, they I feel like comedy, not that comedy should get a free pass on everything, but I don't like making limits on comedy. I think comedians should be yeah. able to yep. make jokes about whatever they want to make jokes about. But then the and what happens after that is what happens. You know, it, it, I'm not a fan of disinviting people to college campuses because they thought their <clears throat> comedy was too extreme. I, you know, I don't like that. I, I hear jokes that I think go too far and that make me uncomfortable and I don't like them, but that's fine. That's my own personal feeling. That doesn't mean the comedian should stop doing it. Like Daniel Tosh, I cannot stand that guy. I just, he just, I hate, you know, it's just his persona. And I know he's got that asshole persona and that's what he's going for. And that's his shtick. But I just can't even watch him because I, and he makes jokes that I think are inappropriate, but I would never say he should stop making them or, you know, he's got an audience that that, caters to and that's fine i can just opt out of it you know i opt out yeah and i i agree with that 100 percent. is you have to allow that freedom to to push the boundaries Mm -hmm. and i've i've followed a few people on facebook and there was a few podcasts i'd listened to that actually i don't know if you've heard of the aristocrats before oh god the movie i don't know that i've ever seen it i remember seeing parts of it and and hearing my brother stumbled across it years mm-hmm. and years ago and was just absolutely and I mean he's a foul vulgar guy mm-hmm. and he was kind of blushing a bit but he said just the way this yeah to, to synopsize it the best I can which I really don't know but it's just this it's incredibly one foul joke and then just kind of hearing how different comedians right they, put their, their take, take on, on it. it and how they tell it the reactions it gets mm-hmm. kind of but the one of the producers of the movie, Emery Emery, is an active atheist, mm-hmm. and they have a podcast. He and his girlfriend, Heather Henderson, have mm-hmm. uh, the Ardent Atheist podcast, and they talked about it a lot. And I I got to the point where I was so uncomfortable with some of it that I couldn't listen anymore. Yeah. But I still follow them, and I kind of I felt guilty about 
being made to feel like I didn't want to hear it, but then mm-hmm. I realized at the same time I had the complete control to listen or not listen. Right. Because they got into points or topics like molestation mm-hmm. and rape and things like that, and you know certain things you shouldn't or should or right. And my my brother is a huge kind of indie film buff, and he recommended it to me. And that podcast or no, that movie? No, the movie. Okay. And I should know going in anything my brother recommends it's to me. It's be, just going to be, be out there. It's just going to be weird, but whatever. He knows I love him, so I did watch it just to see what the hype was about. I think I made it maybe three quarters of the way through. Oh, you just, didn't even watch just the had whole to shut thing. it. I, okay. You know what? It was. It gets to a point where it's like I get it. It's just. And, like, Bob Saget's in it, and he tells, of course, the filthiest version of it. Because it's it's a basic joke. You know, it's, hey, these people do this, and then what do you call them? And the punchline is the aristocrats. But the filler before that, right. everybody's got their own. And so, of course, Bob Saget's was the most disgusting, filthy thing you've ever heard in your whole life. Because he's trying to get away from that full house persona. And... After a while, I'm like, I've just been sitting here for an hour listening to just really disgusting jokes that just aren't pure, funny, because I know vulgarity. what the punchline is. I'm just listening to vulgarity, and why? I could be... I mean, I swear like a sailor. I have no problem with vulgarity. Right. But just listening to it for an hour and a half is like, I could be doing something better with my time than this. So I did not understand the hype that movie got. and. Well, I think we're in agreement with that. I mean, just the ability to turn off and to turn away and uh, mm-hmm. just not pay attention. But I'm going to kind of press you a little further and see what you mm-hmm. think about current issues, tragedies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if the Malaysian flight, when, when the, the plane disappeared, you know, I heard mm-hmm. a lot of buzz about it's too soon, you know, that whole... Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's certain things you need to give space to or should comedians not push the envelope on stuff like that or again it's the same yeah i mean the hard thing with too soon is when is too soon and how long do you have until it's not too soon anymore and who decides and um i mean no i i don't think there is a too soon again i i don't have to listen to it i think people and and comedy is a way that people cope with tragedy a lot of the time too you know making dark humor and making those dark jokes is a way that a lot of people cope with tragedy is by doing that sort of thing me included you know i'll make very dark jokes about things and it's not because i necessarily think it's hilarious it's kind of a way to cope with things scalia's death right after that we cut loose on that oh yeah that was and the jokes you know, wrote themselves. Well, on that they one. really did. I think the one thing, since you brought up South Park, I guess the one thing that's always bothered me about their humor is that they will make fun of people purely based on how they look. Like I'm, I'm right. all for making fun of people for what they do, especially when they're assholes and they're, do, you know, make it like like they do on the Daily Show. People who are doing shitty things and they make fun of them because of it. I guess what I don't like is, especially with South Park, they'll make just they have these ongoing jokes about Sarah Jessica Parker and how she has a horse face and you know just different people that and the whole joke is how she looks it's not based on what her personality or what she did or what they think of her it's just what she looks like well it's like Bill Maher with Chris Christie yeah yeah he goes the the fat jokes just do not end from and it's it's hard because like with Chris Christie you fucking hate the guy anyway there's so so much material that can be done on his 
content, personality, his behavior, but his positions. Me, I mean, when he tells the bad jokes, I still laugh because I can't right. stand Chris Christie. And does that make me a bad person? Low I don't. Maybe. Fruit. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody who has not done anything to harm humanity, and you're just making fun of them because you don't like how they look, that bothers me. And again, I. That doesn't mean I think we should censor them, or that I just think it's in poor taste. I guess. Well, and that that brings me to the spot where I'm coming to more is just to the offense issue in general. That mm-hmm. offense is a subjective thing. I mean, there is no written you should or right. can or shouldn't or mm-hmm. should be offended by certain things, and that is such a, a nebulous, evolving. And everybody gets offended by different things. Right. Something that I would not find the least bit offensive, somebody else may crawl in a corner and start crying because right. of... I mean, it's it's pretty hard to offend me. I've always maintained that, but I... Really. It's, it's hard to shock me and it's hard to offend me because, especially in a comedy sense, I don't take things that personally, I guess. I'm not... There's a lot of things Bill Maher says that... I don't agree with or I just don't think are funny but Mm -hmm. I still like him I still like watching his show I still you know and I think that goes back to what we talked about many episodes ago with not throwing an an entire person out because of one or two things you don't like about them or because you disagree with them on one or two things that you just kind of throw that person away and don't even deal with them and yeah I struggle with that I mean I Bill Maher is equally loved and hated in the atheist community like there's just as many people that love him as those that and you and you can't really seem to find too many in the middle that are like yeah he says some awful things about women sometimes i agree with that i still think most of his stuff is funny i still watch his show well that's where you do you do have to put it in perspective too is he's an entertainer you know and and the comedians are entertainers and Mm -hmm. their job is somewhat to, you know, shock you a bit or to rattle your cage or to right. make you feel a little uncomfortable, whatever. And you're under no pressure to, to consume it or to view it, whatever. But at the same time, you think of some of the things, the progress that's been made by, you know, mocking. And, and, and I think when you do, you cordon off certain things from discussion or from humor, the ability to criticize. Mm-hmm including maybe even a personal appearance. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of needs to be there. And, yeah, I don't know. I really struggle with it. Just because it is, it's it, it comes up more often than not of offense. I guess that's kind of the big sticking point right. for me. Is And I know especially in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the liberal community, there's a lot of talk about if rape jokes are okay. Right, and oh, it, yeah, you that's know. a big, big one. And I... Honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot of rape jokes in my life, but my feeling is, like I said, nothing should be off the table. Fine, tell rape jokes. I don't care. I I don't think... I I guess I don't see the direct correlation between how that's damn... But how somebody telling a joke is damaging people who've actually been through something. I, I mean, and if you say, okay, you're not allowed to tell rape jokes then what other jokes aren't you allowed to tell? Are you not allowed to tell jokes about gay people? Are you not, you know, and... And do you have to be gay to tell a gay joke? Right. And can you tell sexist jokes? And can, you know, like, I don't like sexist jokes. I think that they... How do I put it? 
I think they reinforce stereotypes that we're trying to get rid of. All right, and this is some and of that the nuance me. that I think yeah. is what complicates. I mean, that that bothers me when I hear that, just because I think, ugh, we're trying as a society to make some progress here, and some when people belittle women through jokes for no reason other than that they're women, that, that bothers me. But again, that's... I'm not going to be the one to say you can't tell those jokes. I just won't listen to it, or I'd... You know. Well, and that's probably my own personal biggest struggle is with, I mean, because I'm thrown into a lot of environments where it's the good old boys mm-hmm. club, you know, just, and you hear some of the jokes and, you yeah. know, I've seen little humanist PSAs that basically say, you know, if you hear these kind of jokes, just walk away, don't join mm-hmm. it, don't laugh, don't, and I think about that every time I hear a crass, crude, you know, mm-hmm. poor taste joke, something that I know is offensive, but at the same time, I'm wondering, you know, it's just it's just a joke is it really hurting anybody or is it propagating a certain attitude or reinforcing behavior or well i think part of that goes back to the person who's telling the joke what's their intent and what do they actually think i'm much more offended by a person who i know to be a full-on racist telling a racist joke than i am by someone who's kind of ironically telling that joke because they know it'll get a rise out of somebody or you know they don't actually right. feel that way they just they know they're pushing the envelope and tell that joke i which again is nuance and it goes back to how well do you know the person who's telling the joke um you know if it's somebody that i know and i know they're a sexist and they're telling a sexist joke i guess i would just be like yeah i'm not cool just make give my two cents and eh, that joke's not cool don't say that but, I mean, how much are you really going to change people's minds by doing that, too? I don't... Well, and that's the thing in the environments I'm typically thrown into. I mean, I've heard a couple trans mm. bathroom jokes as of late. Yep. I can't even remember what they are, and it, it really doesn't matter. But it's, it's knowing, you know, are you just bowing to social mm-hmm. pressure? You know this is something that's kind of a hot-button issue right now, and that's right. why you're saying it, or... And I think I'm not in that situation that often just because I have way too many liberal friends that wouldn't tell trans jokes. Yeah, and I've got a nice, I'm yeah. predominantly conservative You hang with the my, rednecks, yeah, so you get all the trans jokes thrown at you. I, Like on Facebook, if I see somebody make a joke, I will argue that person into the ground all day long. Just, you know, do you realize why this is disgusting and you shouldn't be joking? You know, these are... What you're talking about is actual people who actually are struggling right now, who, you know, and the joke they tell totally misrepresents something. It's not even an accurate joke. Like, So you, d- you think there is a difference between a comedian <clears throat> seemingly saying something like that and like a local redneck saying a joke that is essentially the same joke, but it's coming from a different place? I mean, maybe to a certain extent. I feel like comedians, that's their job and they put time and thought into those jokes and they have a reason for them for the most part somebody on facebook sharing something put no thought into that they just looked at it and went <laughs> and click the share button and you can maybe use that as an instance where you can educate somebody about something like i've i don't know if you've seen it but there's been this meme cartoon meme going around on facebook and it's a guy with a mustache you know, just very dude-looking, wearing a dress, in a bathroom, and then there's a mom with her little girl, and her little girl's just eyes wide open, like, oh my god, and they're inside of a restroom that's just one great big room, no stalls or anything, and it says women on it, 
So you've got this guy peeing, and the mom and the daughter are just watching him pee, and so the daughter... Real, real world yeah, situation. So the daughter yeah. says something to the effect of, you know, mommy, that's not right. And the mom says, like, shh, if we say that, we're, we're bigots, or something like that. It's some... It's one uh. of those we're the victims type things. Oh. And that one just pisses me off because it's just so inaccurate and not true and not... And I argued with someone for two days on that one. Just like, do you realize how totally inaccurate you're portraying this? Nobody walks into a bathroom where there's no stalls. There's just somebody peeing there and everybody sees them. Like Because to yeah, me, that that's... sort of thing is perpetuating a myth that is just flatly false. Well, and that's, I think that's a good example though. I mean, even when it was, I'm assuming it was coming from someone who was trying to say, you know, we're being persecuted or whatever. And my children are going to get molested in the bathrooms if we don't have But even they were probably sharing it as, you know, somewhat humorous, satirical, whatever. And it, and it started Mm -hmm. the discussion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it did between you and whoever it was. So I suppose that's serving a purpose. It's kind of yeah. that pushback both ways. I think of that's Carlin. True. I mean, he comes to my mind as I remember hearing him. Even back in the day, it was pretty sheltered, pretty isolated. But hearing, you know, you know, the profanity and some of the things that mm-hmm. came from him and how he pushed religious issues and, you know, just blasphemous stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing mumblings from my mom and grandparents on occasions. And it really does. I mean, even when it's something that bothers you, it violates your your integrity or whatever you want to call it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, it, it forces you to look at things that you might not otherwise look at. That's true. On both sides. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. comfortable with it, you don't think it's an issue, it's kind of reaffirming whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, But on the other hand, it really does. It Seeing other people laugh, like at the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon play, I mean, seeing people laugh at something that is so precious and dear... To somebody else. Yeah, that kind of has to be a little bit of a a ripple effect from that throughout the whole mm-hmm. Mormon church community. Seeing how viral that went. I mean, that yeah. the popularity that just exploded. And it's still. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long has that been? Years. Six, five, six years? At four, least, five, yeah. six years? Well, I think the first time we saw it on tour was my brother and his wife and my husband and I went and saw it. And that was the night they told us they were having a baby. And those babies are now almost three. Okay. And it doesn't go on tour until at least a year after it's been on stage. Especially so, when yeah, it's that successful. Five years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, and art has a way of doing that, comedy included. Just making you think about things that right. maybe you wouldn't have thought about. Or think about them in a different way. And... That's been a whole new realization you know, yeah. for me, just to kind of see the depth of artistic expression and what it what mm-hmm. it can do and how it can kind of expand your right. And I nobody it, to me it comes down to nobody has the right not to be offended. You just don't. You're going to get offended over the course of your life. It's just the way it is. I you, wish I could you know. remember the Stephen Fry quote, but he's he's got just a beautiful quote about that. You know, so you're offended mm-hmm. by this. Well, so fucking what? Yeah. You know, it's yep. It really is care. a victimless crime. Yeah. It can't even really be described as a crime. It's just you are being incensed by something, and mm-hmm. how you react to it is completely up to you. Right. And on the other side of that, you know, when you say something that could be offensive to other people, 
you have to deal with the blowback of that then. You have right. to have the conversations with the people, and you have to think about what you said and decide if you want to defend it or not, and if you do want to defend it, why, and why do you have yeah, that there opinion? is a price to be paid exactly. for, for pushing the boundaries. in your mind, yeah, yep. and that's fine. I think that's totally legitimate on both sides, you know, it's, especially if it's a genuine conversation you're having and you're actually rethinking your ideas about things and, you know. Well, I, my wife and I, we watched... Uh, Life of Brian here, a month or so ago, I've Monty still never Python. Seen that. It's it's, I don't want to say it's terrible because I will <laughs> oh, really get in piss trouble. off some people, but it's I mean it by today's standard it mm-hmm. is it's brilliant. I mean you could tell and for back in the day I mm-hmm. mean they, that was in Book of Mormon level mm-hmm. of disrespect yeah. to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean it is it's crude it's simple, but I mean it really does push. I mean, that was gutsy. That was mm-hmm. really ballsy to, to have that back in the day. But you realize that that is part of the progression, is that constant pushing the envelope and, and just kind of saying, you know, so what if I upset you with this? Yeah. You know, what, what's the harm? And I think there's a big role for comedy to play in sort of the downfall of religion. You know, there's... Oh, for sure. You know, when you have people telling jokes about various religions you know it was bill maher that finally got me to just decide i was an atheist like not not that not that people decide they're an atheist that's perpetuating yet another myth but i had spent years and years just being on the fence and thinking you know i I, there's probably a god out i was very agnostic but i was leaning towards kind of a deist agnostic like i don't know but there's probably something out there and I also still had that whole we need to have respect for religion thing going on and I remember watching uh, one of his episodes and he just said he said something about, you know, Christianity and how stupid it was that there's a book that tells you that snakes talk and that there's a virgin who gave birth and just kind of laid out some of these Christian things and the audience was kind of doing the whole like you you might have gone too far and he just he looked at the audience and said, "I'm sorry religion's retarded, but it is." And I just remember thinking, and at first I was very shocked when he said that, because not only because he said retarded, because that's just not supposed to say that anymore, but he said, I'm sorry, religion's retarded, but it just is. And the panel was, I think D.L. Hughley was on the panel, and he's religious, oh, yeah. and even he was like, uh, I don't know. And I, I'm offended. I spent a few days you? mulling that over, how I felt about that, and came to the conclusion, he's right. It is stupid. Why am I still hanging on to these ideas that I really have no basis for? And and I finally came to the conclusion that I had never looked at it as an outsider before. Like, what if I hadn't grown up oh, yeah, with this religious right. background? It would look really stupid. He's right. Like, if I, if I hadn't been raised with Christian beliefs, and I were just now for the first time looking at it, it would look really stupid that a snake can talk and that... A guy was created from dust and that a virgin gave birth and nobody questioned whether or not she what actually was a virgin she just was and we yeah. don't need to question that and it's, well and it's, and it's so much more reasonable to think that you know she told a fib right or, i mean that, yeah that she was but it just goes unquestioned uh-huh. and it, that really sent me down a path of you know so i think comedy just telling it like it is and saying things that might shock people it does get them thinking. I mean, yeah, but you think like Lenny Bruce and some of the early oh, yeah. they I mean, they faced real consequences. Yeah, I mean, jail. Right? They were they were 
jailed and charged mm-hmm. and harassed and sued and threatened and and that comes back to what is decency and who gets to decide what decency well, is well and that is yeah that's a hugely and it's constantly evolving it's changing because mm-hmm. there is no objective right you know this is right this is wrong this is humor this is not this is mm-hmm. yeah and in i think people need to lighten up but i like mm-hmm. you said i mean it, there's a sticking point there with the especially with the political environment right now. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the things that are happening, some of the things mm-hmm. that we're witnessing and that shouldn't probably be happening, but I don't know. Well, think about, you know, Hillary Clinton and the jokes that get told about her and how right. just overwhelmingly sexist they are. Well, I heard in at working recently some really ugly stuff and coming from some conservative people. Sure, they have the right to say that, but I have the right to be dismayed by that and bothered by that because you know i i love making fun of politicians for the things they do because they make a lot of stupid decisions and that's fine but just making fun of someone solely because they're female and then making all the old stereotype jokes about that that really just i have a problem with that well but i'm also Free speech, you know? Say what you're going to say, but know that you're reinforcing bad stereotypes <clears throat> and deal with that how you will, I guess. I well, I, I heard a couple of those comments, and immediately, uh, Sam Harris said something like this, mm-hmm. too, where basically, you know, you, you hear people say certain things and you kind of categorize them in your mind as, mm-hmm. you know, this person now is the status of what I would think of someone who, you know, thinks Elvis is still alive or mm-hmm. believes in alien abductions or. You know, and you do, you you kind of rank people or or file them in your mind as this person I'm going to take less seriously now. You know, Mm -hmm. this person's stock value has dropped a bit. And I did that for a couple of people this week because Mm -hmm. of, you know, crude, crass comments about Mm -hmm. Hillary that were just so obviously easy, you know, just hitting a stereotype or following the crowd of what you think people... And those ones I I literally couldn't laugh at, didn't laugh. I mean, I just... I wanted them to feel awkward and right. And sometimes kinda, that's all you can do is just yep. show them that somebody in the room doesn't find it funny. Not funny. And then they do feel awkward because they know they probably offended you somehow, and it's not like you're gonna walk off the job because of it. Or but at least right. they know that maybe they should knock that shit off around you, and you won't have to listen to it anymore. I don't know. Or maybe right. they, maybe they'll want to have a discussion with you about why you're not laughing at their hilarious sexist jokes, and maybe they'll learn something. I don't know. Probably not, but I need to learn some Trump jokes oh, that I can God. turn around and, <laughs> so and many. throw right back at There's him. Just so many. I don't. Well, he is a walking, talking joke. See there, yeah. I did it now. Samantha B. I think it was Samantha B. Oh my god. Or gosh. John Oliver. To... All of them. I don't know. Have come up with just the best words for Trump, like how they describe Trump. him. You know, not yeah. even that. Just like. You know, walking creamsicle. And and again, oh, based yeah. on his appearance. But he's an asshole, so I don't care. <laughs> you can mock him based on his appearance. And I think with Trump, it's funnier because he is so bothered by Appear- yeah, his, his appearance. Small and, hands. And, yeah, like yeah. on the nightly show, Larry Wilmore is constantly making jokes about the small hands. And it's not because he actually thinks Trump has small hands he or that there's anything wrong with small hands. He just knows it pisses Trump off, so he does it. And I think that's hilarious. He wants to get tweeted about it at 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning from yeah. Donald Trump. Because he is, it's it's great. I, I don't know. I love comedy, and 
I try to give comics a lot more leeway than I would give the average person when it comes to telling jokes because that's their profession and we need them. We need them to be telling jokes about things that maybe we need to think about some more and well, and I think they do. I, I think they're underappreciated. And I, I think it's mm-hmm. historically, it kind of has been that way. I mean, right back from the court jesters, you mm-hmm. think of, you know, if, if they weren't funny, they would be killed. Or if mm-hmm. they offended or crossed the line. I mean, I don't know how much of that reflects mm-hmm. how it accu- how it actually was. But, you know, they there is a role in our modern society that is served very well by having those oh, yeah. issues pushed. They can diffuse situations. They can, you know, okay, that just point out of, the absurdity of situations. Right. Yep. It's or and part of the healing. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. after nine eleven, how you started to see and Bill Maher again. Boy, he got into that one. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember specifically what he did, but he said something. He said that the, he said the. It was more political than humor, I think. Yeah. But, no, he made a statement about how the troops weren't heroes. Right, which was kind of misconstrued when you heard mm-hmm. him talk about it. But yeah. but those taboos, that's the thing. Is you, I don't think that's healthy. No. That shutting down... I mean, if it's popular opinion that does it, that, that kind of relegates mm-hmm. someone to the fringes, that, that's one thing. And again, but that's, officially... just, that's the consequences of telling a joke that's not funny or right. that an overwhelming majority of people don't want to listen to, then that's just a consequence of the joke you told. But... I'm not for just shutting people down because they told a joke that you didn't like or because you find them controversial. And a lot of this goes back to college campuses and what the atmosphere is on college campuses right now. And I, I don't know. I don't know what can be done about that. No, and maybe it's just something that has to run its course. But it, it, it does seem like we're to a point where we're kind of regressing a little bit. And I hate to even mm-hmm. say that word because the regressive left has become mm-hmm. a very much buzz phrase that's going around now that I think can be a hyper reaction to a hyper reaction, which mm-hmm. is not the right way to go. But no. we're, we're really in, God, I think of our generation growing up through, you know, like Marilyn Manson music is mm-hmm. another kind of oh, yeah. way to, to focus on that. What is taboo? What is too far? What mm-hmm. crosses the line? You know, with the death metal, the goth, the, mm-hmm. and what role that has in, you know, emboldening, especially the youth. I mean, that's kind of a manifestation of how is, what is too far? And I don't know, Two Life Crew, I remember some of those that really started pushing the the vulgarity and, Mm -hmm. you know, explicit songs, things like that, but... And I feel like the more you make something taboo... Yeah, the more it's The more people want it. The more it gets consumed anyway. It's, I mean, it's just like swearing. The... The more I try to convince my kids not to swear, the, the more they're going to want to do it. So and The forbidden fruit. And in the big scheme of things, <clears throat> there are so many more problems in the world than swearing. Or oh, for a sure. bad joke. Or, you know, we all just need to take things a little less seriously. And I don't know. Have fun with your life. Lighten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, Agreed. I know I remember uh, Louis C.K., Gosh, I, I almost wish we had some clips to play here because mm-hmm. there would. I remember he told a joke on a monologue uh, on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was. That was so bad. The and child was, molestation. Yeah, the joke. child molestation. We, joke. my husband and I watched that while it was on, and we laughed, and it was one of those uncomfortable well, I was just laughs. Say, you know, yeah, I you're not supposed to be like, laughing oh, at it. Man. 
But I think most of that just came from, I know I shouldn't be laughing at this. Well, and he even, he was like, all right, hang funny. on, stick with me. Yeah. We got to get through yep. this. And, I know. And he kind of couched the whole thing in mm-hmm. this. We got to do this, people. Come yep. with me. We've got to cross this threshold. And that's what made threshold. it funny, you know? It was, I, and he took so much flack for that. But he it did. was like, but why? Yeah, like, and that, that's... I, that's the type of thing that I struggle with. You know, mm-hmm. is that really necessary? Because he seems so like this has to happen, guys. Come with me. <laughs> We're going to go here. It's going to be gross. We're going to laugh. Well, I think that's part of just the comedy and the getting you to laugh is the build-up. He's building it up to be, you know, it's going to well, be this thing that's really, you know. But that makes me wonder. I mean, is is it is this that some deep, I mean, are they like... Uh, on a, on a level of psychology that is completely on a, it, it almost yeah, feels I doubt it. I think he's just trying to tell a joke that he knows is going to get talked about and push envelopes and get a big laugh and I think the build up is all part of that. I you know oh. I don't think Louis C.K. goes on stage and doesn't realize what the consequences are going to be. Of. Well, that that one was probably one of the mm-hmm. more more explicitly. Yeah. I mean, the, the mechanics are the just it needs to happen because he made it seem so. Well, did you hear about the you know the White House correspondence dinner and Larry Wilmore giving the yeah sure about that controversy? That shocked me too that he got so much fallout from that. It was just I don't know. And it seems like most of the people that were offended by it were the white correspondents in the room that were the ones that were being outraged. That sounds about right. It wasn't the black community. It was the white people who felt like they were supposed to be outraged by it. So they were the ones all over the news talking about it. Yeah, when you you are protecting the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, when when you're feeling obligated to protect people who aren't rising up to say that they're offended you're mm-hmm. being offended for someone else that's right. that's a sign of a problem i think yeah you, you gotta uncheck your privilege i don't even know what that would be <laughs> hyper corrections though yeah i think i think pushing the envelope is a good thing and if you don't mm-hmm. want to see it if you don't want to hear it then yeah opt out. just Walk take away. your delicate ears and go somewhere else I... yeah in politics uh that's that's another field that you can easily think you're going too far, but it needs to be done. And I think like the yeah. Donald Trump that we're seeing right now, we've been in such a comedic phase about it that mm-hmm. it makes it kind of seem like it's not real, though. That's yeah. that's another thing that I worry about is being a little fallout of, because there is an entertainment value to the right. the the Trump thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we're gonna stop laughing Just, really yeah. quickly. I think it was don't. last night on the Daily Show either last night's episode or the night before, but we were watching it, and Trevor Trevor Noah has just this great, almost psychotic break where he's just laughing, going, what the hell is wrong with you, America? Oh, my... Really? Like, I can't even... This shouldn't be happening right now. This is not... How is this real? Like, he just goes on this rant that's what everybody wants to say, basically. Like, how is this happening? How are you letting this happen? And oh, it's funny, but so true at the it, same it's time. It's sad. It, yep. how, it really is. How is this person even <clears throat> being considered for the highest office in the land and tied with someone who has spent her entire career basically in public service or, you know, actually gaining experience that would help her become a president and we're putting her against I oh god I sad yeah I'm curious sad. to see how that kind of shakes out coming 
I mean, once they start interacting with each other, mm-hmm. I mean, because Trump is almost taking a humorous. He's, I mean, he's pushing the absurdity mm-hmm. button. I mean, it, it borders on comedy the way yeah. he's kind of mocking the system, and mm-hmm. and he's riding a wave of, you know, let's let's just poke fun at and, and ridicule the absurdity of or the perceived absurdity from a large portion of America. And it does. It feels system, right? And I mean, there is something to be laughed at there, but there is a line too where the the consequences of this one are going to be. There are real consequences, people. Samantha B does. We just our DVR quit working for some reason, so we've been having to go watch. It's a very first world problem. (laughs) We're watching Samantha B. One of her episodes the other night. She's done kind of a series on the most important election of your life and it was the midterms in 2010 and all you people voted for it. you know you totally blew it and she just goes on about you know here's why we're seeing all these shitty laws not because of the presidential race it has nothing it's the 2010 midterms people you yeah. need to go vote in the midterms and i'm glad at least somebody is pushing that you know as a talking point because people get so wrapped up in the presidential election and then just ignore everything else that's going on, and that's where the real duty. trouble happens, is in the midterms, you know. I People get out and vote for that. Good. Yeah. But yeah, Samantha B. I I just, <clears throat> my husband and I both just, lo- her show is one of our new favorites. Cause well, she, we just kind of got turned on to her with, there was something <clears throat> she was, just went on this, and I think that's kind of her deal. She mm-hmm. picks a topic and mm-hmm. then just lights it up oh, from yeah. top to bottom. Yep. And this was kind of on the the religious right, and mm-hmm. we were both just sitting there going, "Oh my god!" Oh, this she's is hardcore. Fantastic. She is badass, and she yep. does a lot of feminist stuff. And she, the one we were watching last night was about crisis pregnancy centers. I highly recommend it. Go look for the clip of Samantha Bee full frontal maybe crisis we'll pregnancy to, centers. People we'll have to put that on the Facebook. So page. good. Yeah, it just talks about. Why crisis pregnancy centers are a fucking charade, but that's a story for another day. So I think we've had that discussion already. And I can smell your wife's wonderful dinner cooking out oh, there. Man. So yep. she's making a legit hot dish right now. We might have to do pictures of this hot one. Dish. It's it smells so good. Well, one last thing I'm going to say, just because you brought up the daily news, and this mm-hmm. this does kind of concern me too, especially with the younger generation, millennials coming up, mm-hmm. because there was a study that came out. Couldn't have been more than two, three years ago. Well, maybe it was three, two, three, four years ago. But they were saying that the majority of millennials were getting their news from The Daily Show. And it kind of ties back in and wraps this all up. That comedy can serve a purpose to push, you know, the the comfort Mm -hmm. levels or to make things. I mean, you think like uh, gay rights, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of comedy went into that. You know, Mm -hmm. Will and Grace and Mm -hmm. Ellen DeGeneres. And I mean, I think that did huge things to kind of bring about mm-hmm. a comfort with you know a, a radical new existence that right. the majority of people in this country were unaware of or unexposed to but at the same time i'm thinking now like <clears throat> daily show john oliver samantha b now mm-hmm. you know larry wilmore some of these mm-hmm. people is it making things the need for an entertainment value i mean which i, I wonder if that's mm-hmm. almost contributing to a trump rise because you know i don't I don't think so, and I don't think so Satirizing things that are serious, you know. Right. But I think the satirization, I'm, 
it certainly makes it more palatable to watch the news. You're still getting news, but it's more palatable. How many people want to sit and watch the evening news? Does it reduce the many. seriousness of it, though, do you think? Not necessarily. Not, I don't think so, especially if you look at John Oliver. It's a funny show, and he sprinkles jokes throughout it, but he oh, is but serious. Yeah, oh my I mean, God, he, it's serious. And like Stephen Colbert said once when he was asked about that, about how millennials are getting all their news from comedy shows, or I think maybe it was Jon Stewart who said it, but, you know, you have to know the story behind it to get the joke. So it's not like you can get all of your news from this comedy show. If you don't already know what's going on, you're not going to get the joke and why it's funny. So the people that are watching these shows are already people who are engaged in what's going on and engaged in politics. And honestly, those shows are the only ones that are covering some of the more important topics. Right, at least from the angles. Yeah, Yeah. if they make it fun to watch, great. But they're like crisis pregnancy centers. Nobody's talking about that, but Samantha Bee is on her show, and it's fun to watch. You know, it's I. I'm not as worried about the whole comedy show news thing as a lot of people are because. Honestly, they're doing some of the best journalism out there, and you and you've got your which is sad, and it's sad to me that. Shows like Vice and things like that aren't accessible to everyone. Like, I wish John Oliver was just accessible to everyone, but you have to have an HBO subscription to, you know, I wish that kind of stuff was on the regular TV now where everybody could watch. I mean, yeah, Walter Cronkite wasn't throwing jokes around, but he was still doing the news, and we need more John Olivers and more Samantha Bees. And well, and I wonder how much of that, though, is the the kind of speaks to where millennials are at mm-hmm. versus the previous generation is it is it function or form mm-hmm. or, or cultural evolution because it seems like there has to be an entertainment value though yeah. now for millennials to even consider something and i know i'm making sweeping well, yes generalizations no. yeah. here but i is, mean people evolve and change and every generation worries about the one that's coming after them and how out of touch they are and but honestly, we also live in an era where you can get any news that you need to get just by opening up your phone. You know, That's, you don't really yeah. have to, you know, my Facebook feed is just full of articles that people have shared about different things that I wouldn't have even known about until I saw that on my Facebook feed and opened it up and read it because I'm one of the people who actually reads the article. When you I don't open just go it. by the headline? Yeah, I don't just go by the no. headline. I. I will confess to occasionally skimming if it's really, really long, but, yeah, I don't just read the headline and comment. I like to actually read the article, and a lot of good conversations come out of that. Oh, for sure. More yeah. so than if I was just sitting watching the CBS Evening News, which those shows have become worthless, in my opinion. They're all fluff. Yeah, I was... They're nothing that has anything to do with, you know, my husband almost had a mental breakdown because Al Jazeera America is off the air now, and oh my god... It was anarchy at our house. He I, loved his Al Jazeera America. I had somebody accuse me of being <laughs> completely played by the corporate media, which mm-hmm. is so... Which is so ridiculous. It is. Yeah. It's all the corporate media. And Fox News is every bit as much the corporate media as Well, no, this was is. from a, like a fellow liberal. Oh, a who liberal, was, yeah. yeah. really upset with me for, for siding politically with A, a liberal with upset with you? Mm-hmm. That happens? It happens. Shocking. But I was, I was told that you know you you bought into the joke you're you're mm-hmm. you know consuming this and it's colored your worldview and your mm-hmm. perspective on this and you can't see it right because you bought into that whatever mm-hmm. but it is i mean it's trying to find 
Well, I think people want to feel special, and people want to feel like they're smarter than everybody else do. And I'm clued in. You're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh-huh. woke. You're not woke. Uh-huh. I watch Democracy Now. You don't. <laughs> like, yeah, there's... It's all corporate media people. It I is. I mean, you can... And if you want to find... It's easier now than it's ever been to find the independent news sources and to, you know, find good reporting on what the rest of the world is doing and you know even if you skip the reporting yeah i mean that's that's my the best thing for me is you can go right to the source yourself you don't have to rely on an interpretation or someone to summarize something for you you can go you can go on twitter and see what people are saying about what's going on in any given like somebody who's actually at the situation that's happening and find out what's going on and it's not hard to find news, it's just... Candidate so-and-so said X. Well, yeah. then you go and you listen to candidate so-and-so uh-huh. speaking exactly on the issue of what happened. And you and can get the exact context right. by getting it right out of the horse's mouth. So. And how many times do we see that now, though, where you have the actual incident right here, this is what mm-hmm. it is, and then you see the reinterpretations and the spin of it, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, that's not... I just saw what actually happened. Yeah. I'm encouraged by all of these comedy news shows, honestly, because it means people are at least paying some attention to important issues, and they're not just watching Will and Grace. And well, I enjoy and... the shit out of them, and that bothers yeah. me. Maybe that's what it is. It shouldn't is... bother you. Okay, it's well, okay I'm... to enjoy stuff that you need. I just hope it's not serving a counterpoint, is the right. thing, is people think that, oh, because it, you made something serious funny, now it's you know minimized in some way. I don't think so. I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope that's the case, which it, it probably just is. Just don't worry, but... I'm right. I'm right about everything. You can okay. just, that's fine. Okay. You're you're good. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, that smells Should we wrap this one up? That just smells so freaking good. I'm, I'm famished, so. Hopefully we'll have pictures to go with this Hopefully, episode. if you remember it. I'll do my very you're best. You're pretty incompetent, so. <laughs> Email Justin and let him know how incompetent he is at podcast yes, at heathenhotdish.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash heathenhotdish, where you can actually see an actual picture of our actual faces now. Actually. Actually. In yeah, real, and, and in feel real free life. to chime in and let us know what you think of the new jamming tunes that we have to lead in and lead oh, out yeah. for the podcast. My husband already gave me his opinion. I won't tell you what it was. Well, thanks a lot. Or give us a shout out on Twitter at hhotdish. That's what. That's it. Yes, yeah, that'll work. That's the thing. All right, we're gonna go eat dinner. So this is Amy, and I'm Justin. And thanks for listening to Heathen Hot Dish. <laughs>